Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, I've got a little bit of a brief thought I want to give you on five-star running back Justice Haynes about what might be going on with his recruitment, where it seems like the door is sort of open here for something to occur, and yet there's not a huge level of like tangible evidence that's actually happening, but somehow, some way, people are still talking about it. We'll give you some thoughts on that here coming up in a moment before we see Justice tonight on Peachtree TV as uh, Buford gets ready to take on Walton, a game that I'm looking forward to having the call for you on. Uh, we'll do that later on tonight. But first, there's this. Georgia obviously going on the road Saturday to take on the Kentucky Wildcats, and it becomes another chapter in what has been a very interesting story in college football this season involving Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. And the sense that you get here is is that there are a lot of people kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation that are sort of noticing what's going on with Bennett and I think they are working hard to sort of properly quantify exactly what this season means for him and exactly what the, I guess, perception of Stetson Bennett should be. You know, for instance, there's like this Heisman tracker thing that ESPN does. And this week, when when they kind of put out, back out their Heisman stuff, on their list of Heisman candidates in order, likelihood of winning the award, they had Stetson Bennett fifth. Now, here's the thing you should understand, is that it used to be, there were kind of a different number of Heisman finalists every year. One year you might have three, one year you might have like six. Like, like the, the, or I don't know if there's ever that many, but but it's been kind of a fluctuating number, as few as three, as many as you know, a, a good bit more than that. And it just sort of depends on the context of that year for how many Heisman finalists there are. Last year, though, the Heisman kind of started in a new era in which going forward they were always going to have four. So if we take ESPN at its word that Bennett is right now fifth in all of that behind uh, C.J. Stroud and Drake May and uh, Hendon Hooker and Caleb Williams, then it is at least conceivable. I don't think at this point in time Bennett can win the award, I don't believe, but it is at least conceivable that hey, we don't know how USC is going to perform down the stretch. You know, Drake May is still the North Carolina quarterback, and you're not quite so sure how much people are really paying attention to him, even though NFL draft scouts are obviously watching very closely here. And you could kind of go on and on with other guys there as well. That it's at least conceivable that Bennett could still make a push over the course of the remainder of the season to actually finish as a Heisman finalist. It's not my prediction to say that he will. It's also not really my prediction to say that he won't. I don't know that I have a good handle on exactly how all of, all of this kind of goes right now because I think that Heisman voters can be a little bit difficult to predict. But I, I think you've got to take ESPN, which published this story a little earlier this week. I think you've got to take them at their word right now that Bennett is at least in the mix for consideration here at the moment. So let me read you a quote here. This coming from the ESPN writers and their kind of Heisman tracker kind of write up about where guys stand for the Heisman Trophy here right now. This is ESPN on Stetson Bennett. And I think the way in which they compliment Bennett here, if you're a Georgia fan, this is sort of exactly the thing you want to hear. This is the kind of thing you want to be true about your quarterback. But I think this probably also kind of sums up Bennett pretty well there also. So this is ESPN on Bennett. He might not have head-turning numbers, but Bennett has earned his spot, meaning where he is in the Heisman race right now, because of his toughness in big games. He had standout performances against Georgia's two ranked opponents this season, then number 11, Oregon, and then number one, Tennessee. Now, if I told you in any given year uh, you could have something be said about your quarterback, what would you want to be true about your quarterback, whether it's five years ago, 20 years from now, any time in the past, the future, whatever else, 
You would love for your quarterback to be known as a guy who plays not big, but tough in big games. Don't you love that description that Stetson Bennett is tough in big games? And by the way, on Saturday against Kentucky, another example in which he's going to go head to head against a quarterback that has far more fame, far more attention than he does. NFL draft scouts, for whatever reason, seem to love Will Levis. I have no idea why. I've never seen Levis play a good game ever. And yet, nonetheless, NFL draft scouts fall all over themselves to praise him all the time. And yet, once again, this will be a spot where Bennett can kind of outplay a quarterback who's gotten a lot more attention than he has coming into that game. And as the ESPN folks said, Bennett was at his best this year in games that sort of mattered most. To begin the season against Oregon, uh, obviously in the showdown of the century uh, against Tennessee. And that is a little bit of a continuation from what it would have been like, say, last year when he was... Uh, MVP of the game against Michigan in the Orange Bowl, one of those games that should not be lost to history here. Georgia played amazing that day in a game in which a lot of the world sort of thought they were going to lose, and yet Bennett's performance is a big reason why they didn't. And obviously the national championship game against Alabama, another example of that where Bennett has been, as the ESPN writer says, very tough in big games. And so you're kind of left to conclude, sort of left to wonder, well, if, if that's what ESPN is saying, is the Heisman – voter class are they really noticing this are they really paying attention to this and you know i got one of the questions this week for a gimme five somebody said you know is stetson minute the best story of all time in college football is this the best story ever and i thought it was kind of an interesting way to sort of frame this as it relates to ben and i forgot who asked me the question i apologize for not giving credit but i thought it was a good question i didn't have a chance to answer it in the story that i wrote but i was thinking about it a lot this week and you know, I've always been kind of fascinated by Walt Disney. And one of the things that Walt Disney uh, used to say is one of his rules for storytelling is, is that you can only tell one story at a time. And I think part of the issue with Stetson Bennett, one of the reasons why sometimes Bennett's misunderstood, one of the reasons sometimes maybe Bennett is sort of mischaracterized is I think that Bennett sometimes has the look of a little bit different story being told simultaneous to the other story that's being told about Georgia football. Bennett kind of has the feel of an underdog. He's once again kind of one of the finalists for the Bullsworth Award, or have you said that the is the, bro, yeah, the the Bullsworth, whatever the trophy is for the uh, walk on. He's obviously well known as a former walk on. He's a little bit of an underdog figure on a team in Georgia that's anything but that. You know, the the, the Georgia team overall is five stars across the board everywhere. Georgia overall is sort of unmatched strength in sort of every single area. And by comparison, Stetson Bennett as the former walk-on is a little bit of a different story being told simultaneous to the other story being told about Georgia football. And those conflicting stories, I think, become confusing sometimes for some people, quite possibly even Heisman Trophy voters themselves. But nonetheless, Bennett's going to have a couple more chances to impress. I don't know how many people are watching Georgia-Kentucky on Saturday, but this is a data point. I certainly think even fewer people will be watching Georgia versus Georgia Tech next Saturday, but that is another data point. And then finally, on a championship Saturday when Hendon Hooker won't be playing, and it remains to be seen if uh, Caleb Williams is going to be playing, uh, and it remains to be seen like how well Drake May will play going against the Clemson defense, Stetson Bennett does have a chance to play on that Saturday and be, as ESPN says, strong once again, tough once again in the biggest games that Georgia plays. And assuming that some of these Heisman voters have still held on to their vote, assuming that some of them used that championship Saturday as another opportunity to make their evaluation, then maybe by the time it's all said and done, Stetson Bennett really could put himself in consideration to be in New York as a Heisman finalist. I think that would be a great final chapter in what has certainly been an amazing story for him here at the University of Georgia. Now, shifting gears and talking about something completely different here for a moment. 
I want to talk about five-star running back Justice Haynes here. And when Jeff Sintel is on the show here in a moment, we're going to ask Jeff more about Justice Haynes. We talked about Justice a good bit with Jeff last week. And admittedly, part of this is kind of on my mind because Haynes is going to be on TV with me tonight. We're going to broadcast his game on Peachtree TV as Buford gets ready to take on Walton. But here's the other thing that you can't help but notice, which is there seems to be something sort of going on here with Haynes. You know, Jeff Sintel on the heels of the visit that Justice took to Georgia for the Tennessee game after many, many weeks on our show, because I've asked Jeff about Justice 8 million times. A lot of y'all like to joke about the recruit that I'm trying to speak into existence. I don't think there's any doubt that the recruit for this cycle that I'm trying to speak into existence, I'm trying to will to happen here. I don't think there's any doubt that's Justice Haynes. And when I've asked Jeff about Haynes before, uh, there has been the thought of, I'm talking about going back previous weeks, no, there's no chance he's going to Alabama. He's definitely going to Alabama. He's definitely going to Alabama. And yet when Jeff wrote about Justice uh, after the Tennessee visit for that big, huge game, all of a sudden then Jeff's stance had completely softened. All of a sudden then Jeff's belief about Justice Haynes maybe being in play for Georgia, that seemed to be a lot more realistic based on what Jeff wrote. You'll remember we talked about this at the time. We even asked about Jeff. We even asked Jeff about that last week. And yet here's the other thing that I'm noticing there, too. Is you, if you look at some of the other major recruiting sites, and yes, there are other people that cover recruiting. If you look at some of the other major recruiting sites, the chatter on those sites sort of seems to reflect the same kind of deal here of, hey, maybe it could happen. Let's see. Yeah, nobody wants to quite go on the record and say, yep, justice is flipping from Alabama to Georgia. But if you really follow like well-respected thought leaders in the recruiting industry, you don't really see very many people right now who reject it as a possibility. It seems like this is growing in its likelihood of at least being a real conversation. Now, what I find to be interesting about that is, is if you look at some recent publicly available comments from Haynes himself, you don't really see any evidence why that'd be the case. You really don't. I mean, it, like like Justice is a very polished recruit. I mean, his dad, obviously, Veron Haynes, former NFL guy, great former Georgia Bulldog. This is a family that's well-positioned to handle the recruiting part of all of this and handle it very smoothly. And when Justice gives an interview, he's very, very careful. This is, this is very, very well thought out. There are no slip-ups. There are no reveals. There is... There is nothing that Justice says that gets him in trouble with Alabama folks or makes a Georgia fan believe he's got no chance of doing this. By the way, Ohio State just had a big running back decommitment. Maybe the Buckeyes are back in play on all of this too. So there just seems to be a lot of something going on with Haynes, and yet none of it seems to be, as best I can tell, based on publicly available information. So you're left to wonder, does that mean there's something behind the scenes? Does that mean that there's something we don't know about? Does that mean that there's some some energy here kind of based on something that's either always been in place or just kind of being recently reignited because of how special it was to have been in the stadium for Georgia-Tennessee and that great moment when obviously the Georgia-Tennessee game is always special to the Haynes family because that's the moment in which Veron Haynes back in 2001 etched himself into the history books forever. And we've had Veron Haynes on our show a million times over the years. We were talking to him about Justice Haynes on this show like when Justice Haynes was barely even in high school. When he was just kind of getting out of middle school, we were already talking to Veron Haynes about Justice Haynes here on this show. And when you listen to Veron Haynes and his own memories of having played at Georgia, you know how much this program means to him. Even with his son committed to Alabama, that's still true. You have every reason to believe that's the case. In fact, I want to go back to last year, going into the game against Tennessee, remembering what it was like. Because last year, I guess, would have been the 20th anniversary, right? Yeah. Last year would have been the 20th anniversary of the Hobnail Boot. We had uh, Veron on the show. We've had him on many times. 
and he talked on the show with us about how much that sort of hobnail boot moment meant for him and being connected forever to the great and legendary call by uh, Larry Munson. This is the dad of a five-star running back, and what he said a year ago about Georgia, maybe it still means something now. This is Veron Haynes from last year. Listen, let me tell you something. You have one of the most legendary voices make a call that he didn't particularly know what he had did that day. <laughs> right. Because the, the, as the funny story goes, I only share this with when I'm golfing usually. But um, <laughs> Larry Munson is getting interviewed in the locker room by CBS after the game. And they first words out of their mouth was, hey, Mr. Munson, by the way, what is a hobnail boot? And he's smoking a cigar and he's like, the hell if I know. <laughs> <laughs> On national TV, it was epic. So you listen to uh, Veron Haynes tell that story. He clearly enjoys it, and he clearly has very many happy memories of having been a part of such a historic moment for this program. How could you not? Of course you would love that forever. Of course you would dine out on a tail like that for the rest of your life and regale friends and colleagues on the golf course with, with you know what you were a part of. Of course you would do that. And Georgia fans still cheer loudly every time that thing is shown as part of the pregame video package at the beginning of games. Of course, there's still a little bit of an emotional pull for that. And Justice Haynes, having been in Athens for the Georgia-Tennessee game the other day, of course, that had to be on his mind and on his family's mind and everything else. So here's the bottom line for this. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. And it's not my intention here to tell you that Georgia's going to flip Justice Haynes away from Alabama. That is not my intention. If anything, I'm sort of looking at my watch and think, gosh, the clock is really ticking here. If all goes according to plan, Justice will be living in Tuscaloosa within a matter of a couple of weeks. That, that all of this is very late, and all of this is seemingly very, uh, I guess, down to the wire. But somebody somewhere seems to think something. And nobody seems to be really all that willing to kind of say what it is that's causing them to feel the way they feel. But there's no doubt there's a little something in the air here. And it doesn't exist for, like, say, Caleb Downs. That's another in-state prospect who chose Alabama over Georgia. Nobody says this about Downs. This isn't Georgia fans thinking we get everybody. That's not what this is. There, there is something in play here for Haynes. It doesn't seem to be in play for anybody else. You can't help but notice, and it may end badly. It may not turn out to be what Georgia fans want it to be. But as you tune in tonight to watch them on Peachtree TV, you can't be completely closed off to the notion that before it's all said and done, that maybe Justice Haynes really will be a dog, as a lot of us think it always should have been. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 96 of the Ref, and we are available as a podcast, no matter where you find them. Apple, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Like, there's just so many different platforms we try to make our show available on, and we want to make sure you know about them all. we got a huge show coming up, and obviously we're so appreciative of our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. They just do a great job for us, and we're obviously loving this time of year as you head towards crunch time in the college football season, but also the nearing the end of the football season means getting close to the holiday season. And when it comes to the great stuff that are going to be going on around your table this upcoming Thanksgiving, which, by the way, is next week our friends at kroger have you covered for all of that so if you check out the website kroger.com thanksgiving you can learn more about this whether it be the big turkey the main dish or the great sides or any of that kind of stuff all of that right now for you at your local kroger so check out the website kroger.com thanksgiving that's kroger.com thanksgiving 
and you can get all of that great savings, good food, the special memories that get made around the dinner table this time of year. Kroger has got you ready to go to be ready for all of that. So check them out today. Just stop by and see them in store or check out Kroger.com slash Thanksgiving for a lot more on that. All right, speaking of Justice Haynes, we'll talk to Jeff Sintel about justice and a whole lot more here coming up in just a little bit. And we're going to kind of get more into the Georgia-Kentucky game here in a moment there too. But before that though, I got my Go For Two and 22 t-shirt on. I am so excited about this and so excited about a big announcement I want to make with all of you here right now. You've been asking for it, and we try to do what you ask for as much as we possibly can. So as another way of kind of continuing our kickoff of Go For Two 22 season, we're going to have a big Go For Two and 22 event coming up in a couple of weeks at the Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. So a big chance for all of Dog Nation to get back together again to create the great vibes that are required, the great vibes necessary for a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, big event here. So we're going to be at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. Now, the, the address here for this is 3575 Durden Drive. That's 3575 Durden Drive. And for what it's worth, when we did our kickoff event for the season back at Marlowe's, that was the Marlowe's in Dunwoody. We're going to be at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven this time around. So a little bit different Marlowe's location than we were at the last time we were there. So for those of you who came to Marlowe's for the first time back in August, just know this is a new Marlowe's location for you. Now, we've been there many times over the years, but if you're new to us, this is going to be uh, our first time this year being at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. So it's 3575 Durden Drive. It's going to be uh, on Wednesday, November 30th at 6 p.m. We're going to be talking about the SEC championship game we're going to be getting ready for go for two in 22 season we want you to be a part of it it starts at 6 p.m there that night it's going to be hearing us say a lot about this one of those great chances for us to all get together do some face-to-face georgia conversation big q a who knows what kind of special surprises we could have uh, over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks as it relates to this but it's going to be a massive event wednesday november 30th leading to the sec championship our go for two and 22 preview event, 6 p.m., the Marlowe's in Brookhaven, 3575 Durden Drive. We want to see you there. Can't wait for that. Now, let's go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And I was doing some reading this morning on the Georgia-Kentucky game. And sometimes I like to like read sort of outside dog nation's boundaries as a way of just kind of trying to find out what other people are saying. And I was looking at the story at uh, CBS Sports. There's a guy named Jerry Palm. Jerry Palm has like been around like the sort of college football space for what seems like a thousand years. Used to be a big BCS guy. Used to be a big RPI guy for college basketball. And now there is no BCS. There's essentially no RPI anymore. Uh, so. <laughs> A lot of the stuff he was originally sort of famous for, he's kind of like sort of had to sort of shift his uh, his approach to things a little bit. But he's always been kind of a little bit of a numbers-based college sports observer. And he was making some predictions for some games the weekend. He was talking about the Georgia-Kentucky game. And one of the things he mentioned was about how uh, basically what Georgia has been like since its game against Missouri. A lot of you kind of remember all this, that the Georgia-Missouri game, you know, was obviously a, a game in which Georgia was, you know, kind of in a fight for its life almost the entirety of the game. And for a while, it even seemed like Georgia might lose that day, uh, you know, to, to Missouri. We all kind of remember that. And it was one of those moments in which the game was over. I think there were some people who were kind of left to wonder, well, gosh, is Georgia not as good as we thought they were if this is what they're doing in a road spot like this against Missouri? I mean, if you need a reminder here, the score that day, 26-22. to 22. 
Georgia was a 20 plus point favorite, but you know, you know, approaching almost 30 point favorite status on the road there in that game and actually had to fight to win it 26 22 was the final. And yet, in retrospect, it sort of seems like, and obviously sometimes after the fact, a lot of things seem true that may not have felt true in the moment. But in retrospect, isn't it kind of true, and this is relevant as Georgia gets ready to go on the road again on Saturday, that actually instead of being an example of, hey, this maybe proves that Georgia's not quite what it should be, that the Missouri game almost looks like the galvanizing moment in which Georgia actually fully became what it's supposed to be, that whatever happened there that day and whatever Georgia did to cause itself to make that game far harder than it needed to be, would you not all acknowledge that Georgia's been on a very different run since then, winning 42-10 to 10 against Auburn, 55 nothing against Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team, by the way, that just beat Kentucky, uh, winning by 22 against Florida, scoring 42 in the process, dominating uh, then number one ranked Tennessee to win 27-13, going on the road last week, handling business in relatively comfortable fashion against Mississippi State, winning 45-19. to 19. That Sometimes we see these moments for teams where – hey, this was the game that was the wake-up call. This is the game that kind of showed you that, hey, you better tighten up your process here. You better get focused. You better get uh, as intense as you need to be so that you can fully achieve all the potential that exists for you, as we kind of call it here, go for two and 22. You know, the seeds may have been truly planted to go for two in 22 in an otherwise ugly game against Missouri. The last few games sort of give you the sense that might be true. And I've told you this week I've been a little bit anxious, a little bit on pins and needles here, and it's certainly not a prediction that I think that Kentucky is going to win the game or that it's even going to be all that close. But, but you know, for, for someone like me who, you know, kind of has had some of that of, oh, what could go wrong or, oh, you know, tricky spot for Georgia or even maybe lingering memories when happening against Missouri. I think even someone like me who's kind of talked about that some here this week, I think it's important to note the the way in which this Georgia team is talking right now, the, the, the conversation they seem to be having about themselves and seemingly with themselves and the confidence that seems to have been born in this team over the course of the last few weeks. In fact, I was listening to a Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh this week, and I think this is a great example of what Georgia is now compared to what maybe Georgia was a lesser version of itself when it went to Missouri several weeks ago. That day, it was the Missouri crowd that was loud the entire time. It was that day, a Georgia team that's really pretty inexperienced, at least at the moment it was, uh, that seemed to not quite know how to handle itself there in that particular situation. And as we've said, was kind of lucky to be able to pull out a win. It seemed like for a moment they, have, they might actually lose. But since then, it's dominating the game at Mississippi State. It's kind of you know completely neutralizing that crowd, seeing Georgia fans everywhere, and the feeling for Georgia on the road now so different than what it was when Georgia went back to Columbia, Missouri, going back several weeks ago. And in fact, when you listen to McIntosh this week, it almost sounds like this Georgia team is eager to be on the road, to see how many of their fans travel to see them up there into freezing cold Lexington, but also have a chance to do again this Saturday what it did last Saturday, which is completely take the home crowd out of the game. This is great stuff from Kenny McIntosh. Take a listen to it. And Georgia fans, just for them to be able to travel wherever we go, it's crazy. And, um, you know, hearing the other fans be quiet after we go out there and do what we do, that's, that's what gives me you know, excitement and bring our team excitement. Don't you love that? Hearing the other fans get quiet. Hearing an away stadium when everybody's breathing down your neck and trying to be loud and trying to make it tough on you, hearing them completely taken out of the game. That's seemingly what fuels Kenny McIntosh right now. And if he's saying that about himself, you better believe a lot of other Georgia fans, or should say Georgia players, are saying that about themselves too. 
The point here is this, is that there's no doubt this is a more confident Georgia team now than it was when it went to Columbia, Missouri uh, several weeks ago. And I don't mean overconfident. I don't mean rat poison. I don't mean reading their own press clippings. I don't mean anything like that. There is a certain version of confidence that actually is fuel, that you're actually fueled by your belief that you're supposed to be here. You're fueled by your belief that this is simply nothing more than the next step. And yes, there are bigger steps to be taken, but you can't take those steps today. You can only take this step today. And there's a certain understanding of that that is kind of fueled also, I believe, by confidence. So for Georgia fans like myself who are like, ooh, a little anxious right now, kind of waiting for go for two and 22 season to be here, biding time before you get there, borrowing the confidence of these Georgia players themselves might not actually be all that bad of an idea because this team has been locked in. And you get no indication this week that they are any less locked in now than they were before. Their toughness has been challenged by Kentucky. They get a chance to go out and once again prove that they are the more physical team. They're the stronger team. They're the better team on this and every Saturday. And that may be all the motivation that UGA needs. Good stuff there from Kenny McIntosh. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And once again, Georgia not at home on Saturday, on the road. Uh, But we all know how important home is. And we all know what the dreams are like when a new home is the thing that you're after, whether it be to get closer to work or move closer to family or just sort of stretch out. You know, a lot of times one of the, one of the things I hear is, for, you know, for a lot of people, hey, my family's growing. I need my house to kind of grow to keep up with what my family is uh, it has kind of become here. Well, whatever your reason for a new beginning is, our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. And that's not just when it comes to your residential real estate purchases. You may think about commercial purchase here, too, because, look, you got a business, but maybe your business could thrive even more with the proper storefront or, you know, to get closer to where the customers are. And, you know, there are also commercial real estate opportunities for you to think about here, too. Plus, it's a great time to become an investor. We love real estate investing, and we just believe that um, that's a great avenue for you to explore there as well. And our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service, they know all about that there as well. So they've got offices all across our area. They've got so many agents who are just so brilliant when it comes to really being transaction experts to understand how you go from contract to closing table and leading you to a satisfactory outcome. So check them out online. It's bhhsgeorgia.com. That is bhhsgeorgia.com. Our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, they bring around the doghouse to us here today. All right, before we're done, we'll have our picks for the big games of the weekend, including the uh, Georgia game against Kentucky. I'll give you a couple of data points to consider there on that. And couple of SEC games that may not be on your radar that definitely should be uh, for some very interesting reasons. We'll talk about that here, too. But before that, on everything as it relates to UGA recruiting, including the possibility of still getting in on the five-star running back, Justice Haynes, let's cover all of that with Jeff Sintel as we go on the road with him today, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here on the road. This is by AAA here today on uh, Dog Nation Daily. And, you know, Jeff, I was talking about this before you joined us, and I know you and I talked about this last week, and you've written about this at uh, DogNation.com there as well. This idea that it may not be completely over yet for George when it comes to Justice Haynes, who's obviously publicly stating that he's still as committed to Alabama as ever and saying nice things with the Crimson Tide. But what I said, not as a recruiting reporter because that's not what I do. I'm a, I'm a recruiting observer. I you know, read other people's reports and kind of follow this the same way that much of our audience does. And the one thing that you can't help but notice is 
is that there are lots of industry chatter right now, a lot of online chatter about something related to Haynes. And the best I can tell is almost none of this is based on anything public because the Haynes family is very careful about what they say. I just find that to be completely interesting. I find that to be very curious here that something seems to be going on. And yet, if you were you know, left to kind of draw the, uh, the I guess, the arrows on, on this based on publicly available data, you'd be hard pressed to kind of find where the evidence is. But yet there just seems to be this feeling in the air that the door is kind of open here. Would you mind talking more about that here a bit? Yeah, Brandon. Um, good morning, sir. Good morning, everybody. I think we need to start sponsoring the What About Justice weekly segment here on uh, Dog Nation Daily. Um, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think the door is shut. I don't think the door is totally shut. Um, the, you're right. The, the Haynes family is very professional, very measured, very composed. Um, it's going to be probably as hard to, to get him on the ground. Uh, tonight in Buford for that huge second-round playoff game uh, at Buford, as it is to kind of get him to open up a little bit or even say anything that's going to have folks hit the F5 button on their computers. I think I don't I don't think that's the way the Haynes family has ever been, and I don't think that's the way a, such a mature, composed young man that Justice wants to handle his recruiting. Um, I think I think that's really really probably the best things that need to be said. If, if it were to happen, Brandon, it's not going to be, you know, public or let's just look at it, Brandon. December the 21st, that's the first day of the early signing period, I believe. It's a little bit later uh, based on the way the calendar falls, I believe. But um, that's the day, first day of the early signing period. I don't think Caleb Downs has a lot to do with it. Um, if anything, Caleb Downs' his eyes, if they're looking away from Alabama at all, it would probably be Ohio State, not to Georgia. Um, perhaps probably the biggest recruiting news that I, I, I think folks need to really think about is uh, the recent decommitment from Daniel Harris. If folks want to wonder about doors not being shut, doors being closed, I never really kind of thought that, Georgia was out of it when the decommitment happened. I thought that this was a recruiting kind of behind the scenes that had a lot of um, ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to look at this and say he's a four-star corner. He got scared or he worried about competition. I don't really think that's at all. I think it's a little bit more complicated with, with a school like Penn State, for example. But make no mistake, Daniel Harris is the type of player that would have played really early at the University of Georgia should he sign, and I still think that's a possibility. Well, I want to get more to the Harris thing here in a moment because that's obviously a big story here from this week. Uh, but you mentioned Ohio State there a moment ago. We've also seen Ohio State deal with a running back decommitment this week too. Is there a chance that Ohio State might still try to, to be involved in the uh, Haynes story here a bit because all of a sudden the Buckeyes find themselves in need of a running back? Yeah, that's fascinating, Brandon, as well. Uh, they just recently offered Jamarian Wilcox, a guy that tested really well at the MVP camps. He's got legitimate 4.4 times. He's got pretty good production in Georgia high school football, and it's a domino, man. I don't know if you noticed it, but you know some of the people on, on forum.dognation.com reached out to me when Mark Fletcher, uh, out of American Heritage, uh, decommitted recently. Um, he had been a longtime commitment to Ohio State, and people were wondering, is that the missing link here for Georgia? Maybe not Justice, maybe not Jeremiah Cobb, maybe it's Mark Fletcher. Well, my thoughts there would say Florida or Miami, especially Florida with Mark Fletcher. Um, you know, we were seeing Florida get really active on the NIL front. 
hearing about Florida getting really active on the NIL front. Uh, I think they're entertaining Samson Okanola, five-star offensive tackle this weekend when, um, or, or recently when got got a couple big visits coming up for Samson when everybody would thought he was trending to Miami. Maybe the blooms off the rose a little bit at Miami. We saw the recent quarterback flip at midnight, Brandon. I don't know if you caught that last week where I think it was like 1 a.m. Yeah. where Miami's NIL prize quarterback commit flips in the middle of the night from Miami to Florida. And this is for a young man from California. Um, it's getting to be very interesting. And I, I think I think one of the things I think we got to be responsible and tell folks about is probably some of the most in- interesting and important recruiting that's going to take place over the next 21 days or the next 30 days leading up to the early signing period. That's not just flips. That's not just decommitments. That's not just guys finding out whether or not they still have valid offers that they're committed to. I think a lot of it's going to be portal recruiting as well. I mean, you hear a lot of stories about you know guys looking to move from lots of schools, and it's going to be another crazy part with NIL and obviously the one-time transfer still in effect. But you see a lot of talented guys, Brandon, on rosters that kind of aren't playing yet, and those are the ideal candidates to look to even add maybe another layer to another cycle that gets really exciting around these parts. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the portal opens up after the conference championship weekend, and that's going to be – I mean, this is going to be wild. I mean, like we're about to have the wildest December we've ever had with uh, obviously the recruiting class being what it's going to be, and I get the impression there's a lot of drama to come on this class of 2023. Uh, transfer portal stuff, there have been a lot of guys who – They've already got one foot in the transfer portal uh, in the SEC, and they may go ahead and jump in with both feet here coming up in a couple of weeks. That's all about to get really crazy, and these coaches have to kind of burn the candle at both ends because they've got to recruit talent to their program, and they're going to have to recruit the talent that is still on their program. They're going to have to do both on that. I think you're probably right. I also think you bring up kind of an interesting point. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me do a couple things here. First of all, you mentioned Jamarian Wilcox, and listen, I'm not a scout. My opinion on who's who and who's what, it's not worth a dime. I don't even pretend for that to be the case. But I've always liked Jamarian Wilcox, and there's a part of me that wonders, and I've even asked you about Wilcox before, there's a part of me that wonders if Georgia should have recruited him more than they did, especially now that you're saying that Wilcox has got an Ohio State offer here. To me, Wilcox always sort of had the look uh, of a little bit different kind of running back than what Georgia has in the program, and part of me wonders if Georgia shouldn't have given him a longer look. Valid point. <laughs> I mean, we got we got to realize that the Christmas list for Dale McGee, he kind of only shops at the highest end stores, man. The ones that are we get worried about when our wives go there. But like, he's got a specific thing. I think Jeremiah Cobb was probably the probably the result of a lot of analysis there on Georgia's part. If you know, if it's not Justice, it's probably Jeremiah. And then you see, um, you know, there's a lot of guys in this state, Brandon, that. They, took a good look at Georgia, hoping that Georgia would take a really good look at them. That's Wilcox, that's Jordan Louie, the young man that recently decommitted from West Virginia as well. But let me see if I can I can put one up in your kitchen you haven't seen or heard about yet. Did you notice the recent offer this week from Georgia to a running back prospect primarily out of Charlotte Christian? His name is K.J. Kyron Jones. Now, 10-6 speed in the 40, 4-3 speed, 10-6 speed in the 100. Excuse me about that. Pardon me there. Four three four three eight speed in the 40. The wrinkle here is that Georgia has kind of targeted him to play defensive back, like a safety, like a nickel, things like that. You know, what, what that does for me, these late offers, it tells me that, you know, Georgia's still kicking the tires on that a little bit. But what it also clues me in on is like, okay, not trying to 
you know, sideswipe a conversation here, but it also clues me in on, hold on a second, who is at Georgia right now that's like a nickel, like a slot, like a cornerback type, a, a versatile defensive back that also might, might, not, might not be with the team next year, might be looking elsewhere under those portal pastures we were talking about before. I think that's what makes it really interesting. When you see a public offer late for Georgia to a kid like that, it makes you think two things. It makes you think 2023 class, but it makes you also think, think 2023 roster in terms of what Georgia might have to backfill at certain positions uh, all across the talent tree there. And, you know, that's that thing about this time of year, Brandon, the late offers here from Georgia. Let's, let's say this with a little flair. Georgia's Kirby Smart specialty of late is to find those senior year bloomers, those guys all of a sudden it's like, wow, got some great senior film. We like this guy a lot. Let's move him up the board. This is the season for that. It's part of the reason why I really enjoy doing what I do is seeing that late development from a lot of players that end up becoming like the Lad McConkeys on the team, the Jackson Meeks on the team, and so on and so forth. And, and to bring this back to Justice Haynes before we move on to the next topic, what's crazy about all of this is is that if things stay the way they are now, like Justice will be practicing with Alabama in a few weeks. I mean, these early enrollees typically do some bowl practices, mm-hmm. so he's only a few days away from living in Tuscaloosa and only a couple of weeks away from putting on a uniform and going through the paces as Alabama gets ready for the Citrus Bowl or whatever bowl it is they're going to. Um, and I say that half-kiddingly, but uh, the point is, is that what's crazy about the current recruiting calendar, the way it is now with the early signing period, is that all of this drama happens, I'm talking about like with the shot clock at four. I mean, we are ticking down to the buzzer here, and yet you get the impression, not just for Georgia and its pursuit of, uh, of a guy like this, but a lot of these battles where you know you may see some pretty heavy-duty flips here, and a lot of this is with the uh, paperwork already kind of signed for the lease, the apartment somewhere else, and yet now you're living in a completely different state, going to a completely different school, it's just amazing how accelerated the timeline is because of the early signing period. Feels a lot like I think some of my contemporaries that I respect a great deal. They kind of refer to it as the wild, wild west, and other guys refer to it as free agency. Other guys refer to it as chaos, and it's a little bit of all that. We can be very descriptive with the adjectives right now, but I think the hard part is for a roster like Georgia, who's trying to not only fill needs for twenty twenty three and recruit some of its guys like they're still uncommitted because that's what it takes in this NIL era. But then you've also got to figure out, you know, the current roster and then NFL draft perspectives as well. It's kind of like, you know, Kirby and company does a really great job, but they're kind of like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid here, and we're, that's a very old Western reference for folks that don't get it. But they got, they got roster attrition or roster addition coming from all angles that they got to deal with. And at the same time, they're trying to – what is it I've heard? Hashtag go for two and 22. Yeah, you go, so there you go. The boys are earning their money up in Butts Mirror right now. All right, so you mentioned Daniel Harris earlier. I want to talk to you about him because he did decommit this week. And when something like this happens, everybody sort of goes into their silos of, like, you know, the typical recruiting talk of, ah, George is recruiting over him or, you know, oh, good riddance, you know, you know, we don't, we don't want him or, you know, what, whatever it is that people sort of say on stuff like this. But the sense that I've gotten is, A, because Harris is a very good player, and B, just kind of reading the tea leaves here, is that this was never going to be a recruiting battle that Georgia was going to stop fighting. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing here on that. And maybe the smart money suggests that Georgia may still win this with Harris before it's all said and done. People obviously remember Bear Alexander a year ago who decommitted from Georgia, and ultimately Georgia still signed him. So I guess my question here is not do you think there's a chance, because you've already said you do, 
But what was the reason for the decommit? Do we know? Is it about getting more love shown? Is it about, you know, what people kind of assume now of, hey, you want a little sweeter offer? Like, like what is the deal for uh, Harris in terms of what led him to open up his recruitment and get, kind of give you the public decommit here? Yeah, I think one of the things we've got to kind of be responsible about here is there's a lot of intrigue here. Number one, I don't think Georgia is going to be classified as an NIL-heavy school. We've established on your program and in our coverage that the NIL opportunities for Georgia come, and much like Alabama, once they're on the roster and they've earned their spot, that's just a great way to build the team, keep team chemistry right. Um, there's a couple of layers of intrigue. Number one with Daniel Harris, I think uh, – you know, if Georgia were to get any sort of NIL stuff, it would have, have to come come real late in the process. And like, you never want to be in any business negotiation, right? You never want to be the first bid or the first offer, second offer. You want to come in late Don't you know that? with a competitive offer. And you hear a lot about that. But I think with Daniel Harris, I'm going to stress this. I think except for maybe A.J. Harris at cornerback, I think everybody else in Georgia would be recruiting at defensive back that might be recruiting under Daniel Harris. That's how high on my personal evaluation scale I think of Daniel Harris and what he could be. He's really long, Brandon. He's he's gone against that South Florida speed a lot that we hold in high regard around these programs and around these parts. But you know, six three, lengthy, just probably needs some weight, Brandon. If you can get him maybe a couple of Thanksgiving dinners, that he, he might he might be the type of guy when he gets a little bit more weight on his frame, he might be ready for SEC football a lot faster than most. Um, but man, there's also so much intrigue here, and it's an unknown element with Texas A&M. Don't know if you know this. He has an older brother. It was in the 2020 class. Um, Donnell Harris is his older brother. He was at Texas A&M. For whatever it's worth, I think Jimbo Fisher medically retired him at the beginning of the season in August. Apparently, I don't know how, the, let's quote Mark Twain here, the rumors of his retirement may be, the rumors of his demise may be exaggerated or premature or whatever. But I do know this. I know I know Georgia, he's an edge. He was a top 50 player, right, in the number four edge in the country. But I know this. I know Georgia, uh, Georgia needs edges kind of like, I don't know, you need more cool Georgia gear in your closet. I think you've got a whole lot there. Um, but for, 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 for this, it's like it's Penn State going to offer the two scholarships. That's one fancy rumor floating around. And, is his brother going to play there? Is that why he wants to play with his brother? I think the rumor, rumor mill theater there would be very active. The one thing I will share, concrete, solid information, is that Georgia still wants him. There's still a really strong chance he's at Georgia. And let's just kind of speak Hedges' top targets here. I think I still had him at number five on Georgia's top targets list um, this week, shortly after the decommitment, even though that's so rare how you get a late, decommitment and then a recommitment back afterward just because i think this is a really unique situation want to ask you about some potential bad news for uga and recruiting or at least what seems like the i guess the, the festering of possible bad news here we'll ask you about that here coming up in a moment i want to remind folks we're on the road assisted by AAA with jeff Sintel here today and of course we're traveling a lot this weekend jeff and i actually traveling together from beaufort tonight and going to go part of the way towards lexington here this evening then wake up tomorrow and finish the rest of that drive as we head up to the cold white north in Lexington on a Saturday. And, of course, we're traveling around. I am thankful to have that AAA membership card in my pocket to keep me safe if something goes wrong while we're on the road. But AAA, not just a name to know when it comes to that roadside assistance. 
they're also a name to know when it comes to the vehicle that you have on the road because they are a great option when it comes to your insurance needs, your uh, home insurance, your, your, your auto insurance. And when it comes to auto insurance, when you switch and save to AAA, you have a chance to put a whole lot more money back in your process uh, because of that, that obviously you're going to get a great product here. And there's a 93% uh, satisfaction rate on all of that. So they're clearly doing something right if they've got that many people who are that happy with the auto insurance product they provide. So make sure you uh, find out more about this by give them a call uh, 833-718-2075 that's 833-718-2075 find a branch near you and find out about the great options that exist for you when it comes to AAA for your auto insurance so Jeff a little bit of online chatter as of late as it relates to David Hobbs the uh, four-star defensive lineman it seems like that's a name we've talked about a lot here recently and when we've discussed this before it seems like there's potentially good news for Georgia it sort of seems like as of late, if the uh, social media discussion of the Internet is to be believed, it's not quite as good for Georgia and Hobbs anymore. Is that the read that you get on this, that uh, maybe Georgia might be turning away here with a uh, defensive lineman of note? Quite a defensive lineman of note. Georgia had the last offer. Always, to me, mind, comes to my mind to make this kind of simple. Tennessee, Georgia. Georgia kind of saw him as a, the Trayvon Walker role, kind of the same build, kind of the same athlete. Uh, Tennessee has kind of been in his hot spot uh, or, or that warm and fuzzy feeling for quite some time. I do think he really likes Georgia. I do think he really likes the relationship he's built with a couple of Georgia commitments and also Travion Scott, Trey Scott. Because um, let's just face it, Coach Scott is he's a unique animal right now for Georgia in the recruiting sphere for recruiting uh, defensive linemen. Um, I think that's the thing where I think he's committing in honor of his mother's birthday on the 25th getting really close man you see turkey day and you see big commitments and everything else like that um that's a situation there where um tennessee is looming i think georgia's looming he's going to say good things about north carolina he's going to say good things about alabama he's going to say good things about ohio state um might be a case there where let's let's just remind ourselves you're going to call it bad news but i would also say for every action on the recruiting trail especially this late there's an equal and opposite reaction and Georgia adds uh, Davian Hobbs, so to speak, and then I think it gets a little muddier water for who's going to be that, what you're trying to do with Jordan Big Baby Hall and what you're trying to do with Damon Wilson and what you're trying to do with Samuel and Pemba and a lot of those guys. I think it gets a little complicated because a lot of those guys are seeing it as I might be a Trayvon Walker type, I might be that edge rusher type, I might be that pass rusher defensive lineman extraordinaire, kind of like some of the things that Trayvon used to do for Georgia and Mike Allen is doing for Georgia right now. And, it might be a situation where a Hobbs loss might be offset with better news on another front. Well, that's certainly uh, something to think about. And, uh, good stuff there, Jeff, and a nice way to close things off. Appreciate that. We'll see you tonight, Peachtree TV, for a big one in round two of the 7A state playoffs as Buford hosts Walton, all kinds of great prospects on both sides of the field for both these teams. So we'll look forward to doing that. We haven't even gotten to the 2024 prospects, by the way, which uh, littered the lineup there for Buford there as well. So we're looking forward to that. Jeff, we'll see you then. And then traveling to Lexington tomorrow. Going to be a fun weekend of football. Thanks for being here on the road. Assisted by AAA here today. Hey, Brandon, one thing. I want to share one quick story. You mentioned 2024s. And if you let me do it, I'll let you have the first hour of radio control on the way up to Lexington where we can play all the hits you want to hear. But, 2024 class, it's coming up, up on DogNation.com this morning, a little early this afternoon. But love stories like this. This is a young man at Tucker High School, Brandon, C.J. Jackson. He has no rankings. He has no pages. 
but he had some tremendous junior film. Brandon, you're going to find this hard to believe. He was actually at Parkview last year with Mike Matthews and, you know, all those really strong players, Jalen Crawford, um, Simpson, all those players that were there on that roster last year. He gets an offer from Georgia yesterday at about 8, 8, 8 p.m. last night. No stars. He has uh, he had one previous offer from Indiana, but 6'5", six, 6'4 six, with the shoes off, 220 at 11 sacks. Great burst, great length, great tape. Brandon, it's the best time of year when that, that film gets evaluated. He's just a junior, Brandon. He goes from He's going to go from no stars and unranked to probably a five-star. He's already getting offers to All-American games when earlier this week he was just hoping he could get an offer, something maybe bigger and greater than the Indiana Hoosiers. Love stories like this. Georgia is now in this recruitment big already out of nowhere, and that's why I do what I do and why I love what I do and why you guys need to hear about it. Because all of a sudden, Brandon, you're going to go, your, your little Rain Man computer in your head is going to go, hold on a second, Edge, 2024 class. Georgia's got a lot of guys they already like. Well, Brandon, this guy goes up right in the middle of the top of the food chain of all that. C.J. Jackson, in-state guy at Tucker High School. Great story coming on DogNation.com. Jeff, that's great stuff. Thanks for being here. We'll see you tonight. See you guys. Take it easy. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So one of the things that Jeff was saying a moment ago that kind of gets me thinking here a little bit, and this is one of those deals where honesty sort of compels you to admit that, you know, it is thought that Tennessee's a factor in Hobbs recruitment. And, yeah, last week Florida did flip uh, Rashad away from Miami, the quarterback. And, yeah, Florida's thought to be a pretty big factor in the running back that uh, just committed decommitted from from Ohio State and we had the report yesterday from Chris Lowe we think that came you know from Lane Kiffin himself about the NIL fund that exists at Auburn right now too that I don't know that you see a lot of this right now the 2023 class and this is not oh what's wrong with Georgia recruiting because I think the Georgia's going to do just fine no matter what I really do I'm just saying that I would say when it comes to class of 2024 when it comes to sort of future years I do think that you're going to see more of Georgia's recruiting rivals a little more well-armed when it comes to the NIL stuff. Auburn hasn't chosen to use any of its NIL resources just simply because I don't think it wanted to give Brian Harson any help because I don't think they like Brian Harson. That's fairly easy to determine. And, you know, Tennessee seems to be building up its NIL arsenal at kind of the right time. They're playing better on the field, and they may now have some NIL support to kind of, uh, you know, provide additional backup on all of that. And, you know, pretty clearly Florida thinks it can be a player in this, and in the head-to-head stuff they've kind of done with Miami in the case of Rashada getting the win here, maybe evidence to point to the fact that's actually true. So I think that when it comes to the Georgia recruiting rivals that you've seen the dogs kind of beating up on in recent years, I do think you're going to see them attempt to dip more heavily into the NIL pool for future recruiting battles. And that's going to have – I don't know that it changes the results. Georgia may continue to win just as much as it is, and frankly it's – obviously well positioned to do that but i think it's going to probably change the way that some of these battles are fought in the future especially in the case of auburn who's really not a factor in recruiting at all right now but if the nil stuff is to be believed and if they really do want to step up and support their next coach then you may see them be a factor in a way they haven't you're kind of seeing florida right now be a factor in a way that it hasn't and you have the makings of tennessee being certainly more of a factor now than you probably have seen them be in maybe quite some time. So just something to kind of file away there, that as you start thinking ahead to 2024 cycle and late stages of 2023, certainly here too, 
you're talking about NIL and Georgia rivals in a way that maybe you haven't in the past. So something to think about there. Something else to think about, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, you've heard me say it this week already, but this kind of weather when it's freezing cold outside, oh, it makes me wish I was on the Caribbean right now. Uh, Looking forward to some Royal Caribbean cruise vacations here coming up. Can't wait to tell you about Wonder of the Seas. Get a chance to sail on that here very soon. The largest cruise ship in the world. Uh, a chance to experience that and tell you what it's all about and i can't wait to do so and obviously we're also thinking about april coming up there as well with our own dog nation cruise there too uh you are a part of that april 24th of the 28th leaving from port canaveral going to nassau in the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay, doing all of that and we want you to invite you to be a part of it you can check out royaldogs.com that's royaldogs.com that's a website specially designed by our friend jessica slater great travel agent who Royal Caribbean has specially selected for us to be a part of uh, this and help you get booked up to be a part of that with us. You can also just call Jessica directly at 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And you can find out about all the great things associated with our Dog Nation cruise, the special events only for those a part of this with Dog Nation, the fun stuff that everybody gets to do on Independence and Seas, and some great stuff related to the ports we're visiting, those shore excursions and all those fun things. Jessica can tell you all about that, and she'll even tell you about the debut of Icon of the Seas coming up in January of 2024. Uh, it's going to be an unbelievable new chapter in kind of the cruise vacation story and setting a new standard with each and every ship that's introduced into the fleet. That's obviously what Royal Caribbean's famous for. And this will be no doubt true with Icon of the Seas there as well. So we'll have some picks here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, I want to follow up a little bit on something we talked about yesterday. So we talked about report from Chris Lowe, ESPN reporter. We thought this was kind of a direct statement by Lane Kiffin through uh, uh, Chris Lowe. We obviously can't prove that, but this had all the trappings of that, that Kiffin might be interested in the Auburn job because of the NIL stuff I was mentioning a moment ago. And then whether it's coincidentally or as a response to all of that, there was also some reporting coming out of Oxford, Mississippi yesterday that Ole Miss might be ready to step up big as a way to try to keep Kiffin employed there. Let me show you a tweet here from uh, 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 Richard Cross. Richard Cross, longtime guy connected to the Ole Miss program. I know Richard a little bit. He's deeply entrenched there in Oxford. This is what Richard writes this week on Twitter. Yesterday he wrote this. Lane Kiffin has received a new contract offer from Ole Miss that would make him one of the 10 highest paid coaches in college football. It's now a waiting game to see if he will receive an offer from Auburn. More details on this on his radio show, he says. So if you don't, and you don't mind, hold this up there on the, on the screen for a moment. The wording here is kind of interesting. That Kiffin has received the offer. It's not that Kiffin's expected to sign it or anything like that, but Ole Miss wanted to be out in front in making a big contract offer. And obviously, potential interest from Auburn is the motivation, motivating force here. And sometimes you see coaches kind of use the offer from somebody else to get the bigger contract where they are right now. And it's just simply not obvious what Kiffin's going to do on this because there are some rumors out there that Kiffin might be holding out for a chance to replace Nick Saban in Alabama. I don't know that Alabama would want Kiffin. Uh, that seems a little bit, uh, I don't know what for them, but there's some thought they might want to do that. Certainly Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban are still incredibly close. We know that as a fact. And maybe Saban would vouch for Kiffin for a job like that. So that's kind of out there a, a little bit. But it's also the thought of, hey, at some point in time, Auburn's going to probably express some interest. But Ole Miss says, before all that happens, boom, here's a big contract offer for you. We want to step up a financial way that we've never done before and make you one of the 10 highest paid coaches in college football. So let me tell you what all this kind of means to me is next Thursday is the Egg Bowl. And 
the Egg Bowl is always like as much of a drama farm as anything can be. And it's even going to be more so this year because on the Starkville side of all of this, and having been there last week, I have a little bit more insight into this. They're fed up with Mike Leach. They, they, they just are. And, you know, Leach is one of those guys that because he's funny and quirky or whatever else, Leach always has his supporters in the media because the media just sort of likes the stuff about him that makes him go against the grain. A lot of media folks really like Leach. Not everybody does, but a lot of them do. But the, the Mississippi State fans themselves, are just getting a little bit tired. Now, you can say, well, that's improper expectations. This is a typical Mississippi State season. Maybe it is, but, you know, you know Leach lost in the Egg Bowl last year. You know, if he loses the Egg Bowl again this year, and keep in mind, going back to his time at Washington State coach, like the one thing that Leach never did was he virtually never beat Washington. He was very bad in rivalry games, you know, very bad in games against, you know, teams that had a little bit of a recruiting advantage, but also very bad in those rivalry games. And that has kind of continued here thus far in Starkville there as well. So, I don't think Mississippi State can fire Leach after this season, but you could certainly see the seeds planted to move off of Mike Leach if another Egg Bowl goes badly. So you've got unhappy people on the Starkville side of this, and on the Oxford side of this, you're going to have a lot of genuine intrigue and drama about whether or not Lane Kiffin's coming back next year. And Kiffin can end all of this by, if this contract offer is real, and Richard's pretty plugged in, I have every reason to believe that he's probably right about this, Kiffin can end all of this drama by simply announcing that he's staying at Ole Miss, signing the contract, and it would probably be smart to do this going into the Egg Bowl as a way of either building some momentum if you if you do win or maybe kind of softening the blow if you don't. Uh, it'd be kind of smart to do this prior to that if you are going to do it. But, folks, if that doesn't come out before Thanksgiving night, then you have to look at the real possibility that Kiffin is very much in play for that Auburn job. You say, what about Cadillac Williams? I don't know. I'm going to have more on that in a moment. But um, but just sort of keep in mind here that uh, that that there is a lot of drama brewing with the Egg Bowl game coming up on Thursday, and most of that's on the Ole Miss side, where Kiffin's gotten the contract offer to stay at Ole Miss. The overtures from Auburn seem to be pretty real, although they haven't gotten too specific as of yet. So that gets to be pretty interesting there, right there. Now, with all that said, let's make some picks for the week. Give you some thoughts on the games here. Most of these have college football playoff uh, implications here. We'll start with Georgia and Kentucky. I'm going to give you two notes here on, on the Georgia-Kentucky game where 22.5, according to our friends at MyBookie. So on the one hand, you may be aware of the fact that Georgia's actually failed to cover in its last three games against the Wildcats, including the last trip here to Lexington in 2020. You know, basically it was a garbage-time touchdown for Tennessee or for Kentucky last year that prevented the Georgia cover, but nonetheless it was a point-spread cover for the Cats. So Georgia 0-3 in its last three against the spread when it comes to Kentucky. However, in the previous three before that with Kirby Smart, they had covered against the Wildcats, including a dominant win against a ranked Kentucky team in Lexington in 2018. So it's not exactly fair to say that Georgia has had long-standing issues with the Wildcats. They've just failed to cover their last three. But beyond that, and this is a really interesting number here, and the Missouri game that we talked about earlier in the show is kind of the only outlier uh, in this discussion. Georgia's actually 7-2 in its last nine games in the Kirby Smart era, went on the road and favored by more than 20 points. A dominant, dominant performance for Georgia on the road here looking at a you know 20 point plus uh, spread working against them and yet George is finding a way to cover that big number far more often than not I still sort of think 22 22 and a half is kind of a lot here I told you it was a lot of points last week against Mississippi State I turned out to be wrong but there's still something in me here who says 
hey, maybe this game is inside of three touchdowns on Saturday. Maybe it's another late Kentucky score like it was a year ago. I don't think Kentucky's a real threat to win this game. I truly don't. I don't think Georgia fans are going to have a ton to be worried about based on the way the game is played. But for me, speaking as a fan for a moment, this is kind of another one of those deals where I think a win is sort of enough for me. Just check the box and move on. With that in mind, 22 and a half, kind of a lot here. Uh, so just be really, really careful before you take Georgia minus such a big spread, even though the trend suggests that Georgia will handle its business because that's what it's been doing But when favored by more than 20 on the road. Tennessee, also a big favorite on the road, too, at South Carolina. Keep in mind, this is a spot earlier this year where Georgia won 48-7, to so maybe a little bit of a comparison game with this Tennessee team that still thinks of itself as a playoff contender. Here's what I will tell you. A game that you probably didn't pay any attention to last week at all, I think is kind of pretty revealing for a game like this. South Carolina was awful against Florida. Not only did they give up way too much defensively, but they didn't move the football at all against the Gators defense that I think you already know is pretty terrible. And I love Shane Beamer. I think that Shane Beamer is a good coach, but also the kind of coach that's good for the SEC. I I like Beamer a lot. This was not good last week, though, uh, down in Gainesville. And you say, well, maybe they're ready to come back home and play better here. Maybe they are, but it's also a potential indication they just don't have it. They they may just not have it right now. You know, uh, Spencer Rattler's not had a good season. They may just not have it right now. And if you're looking for evidence that Tennessee really is much improved compared to a year ago and truly a playoff-level worthy type team, the point spread maybe all the, the data, the information you need on this, falls 8-2 and two against the numbers so far this year. So I'll take Tennessee minus the 21.5. I don't typically take that big a spread for a road team. But in this particular case, I probably will. I'll also take Michigan minus the 17.5 against Illinois. On balance, this point spread should be lower than this. On the basis of the full season, Illinois has played better than a 17.5-point underdog at Michigan on Saturday. But there's a lot of recency bias that creeps in here. The uh, line I have looked really bad in their last two games. And suddenly, you know, what, what at one point in time seemed like a given, the fact that Illinois would win the Big Ten West, that doesn't quite seem that way as much any, anymore. And I like Brett Bielema as a coach, but Michigan's actually been humming along pretty good for most of the season. This is a fairly significant step up in competition based you know compared to what they mostly have been playing but nonetheless I think Michigan minus the 17 and a half is worth the flyer here I wouldn't bet this game but I'll pick the game and Michigan minus 17 and a half is my pick TCU's against Baylor uh the Horn Frogs despite being undefeated despite being once again ranked in the top four by the college ball playoff selection committee find themselves just a three-point favorite on the road against a Baylor team that got blown out last week there is a lot of skepticism within the gambling community as it relates to TCU. TCU makes them look wrong, and me included, every single week. They were a touchdown underdog to Texas last week that won the game. They played well defensively, something they haven't really done prior to that this season. And yet, nonetheless, the disbelief is back for this game against Baylor. And I'm going to join the fray on this. I'm going to take Baylor plus the three to end the magical season for TCU, or at least keep it within that number with a real shot to win outright. Uh, TCU on the road, playoff hopes hanging by a string as a very narrow, uh, uh, you know, you know, very narrow uh, f- favorite here on the road. We'll certainly keep our eye on that. Baylor the pick there, and then USC is at UCLA. Uh, you kind of know the story here. UCLA ruined what would have been a great game, at least from a playoff implication standpoint, by losing last week to Arizona. Uh, USC. Uh, going on the road here, just essentially traveling across town to Pasadena, just a point-and-a-half favorite. Big running back injury for USC is actually the number one story to be aware of when it comes to the Trojans here on this spot. But even with that, I'm still going to take the 
uh, Lincoln Riley's club here on, on the simple base of this is I believe that if USC keeps winning, they're going to make the college football playoff. And you can say what you want about Riley's teams back in Oklahoma when they got to the playoff. They were obviously embarrassed more often than not, and they handled their business pretty well against Georgia but still lost the game in 2017. But no matter what you want to say about what happens to Riley's teams in the playoff, he has shown a remarkable ability to get to the playoff. Won eight straight to conclude the 2017 regular season to make the college football playoff, six straight in 2018, and another five in a row to wrap things up in 2019, all of those winning streaks resulting in appearance in the college football playoff. When the opportunity is there to put some wins together to get into the postseason, that's what Riley's proven capable of doing, and that'll give the nod to him for me for this game against UCLA on Saturday. And uh, kind of a look there at some of the big picks there for the weekend. One more thing to kind of mention on a completely different note. There are a couple of these like SEC teams playing against like sort of what you kind of think of as nondescript opponents on Saturday that should not escape your attention either. I'd keep my eye on LSU UAB a little bit here. But beyond that, I would definitely keep my eye on Auburn. Hosting Western Kentucky on Saturday, they are just a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Hilltoppers. And frankly, I think that Auburn may be lucky to win this game. Uh, this is one of those deals where there was a lot of emotion expended last week in the win against Texas A&M. We know how silly that is because A&M's terrible. Auburn's not very good either. And yet there has been a real rallying around Cadillac Williams as of late. And I get it. I think Cadillac comes across as a pretty good dude. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think that he's earned a very bright future in the coaching ranks for himself based on the way he's handled these last couple of weeks. But here's the thing you got to understand is across the board this year, we've seen a lot of coaches fired. We've seen a lot of interim coaches, and almost all those interim coaches have had at least a little bit of initial success. Take a look at Brent Key at Georgia Tech, for instance, on this. You know, Tech, worst team in the country at one point, and yet you fire Jeff Collins, you hire Brent Key, you win a couple of games just like that. Interim coaches are kind of having some success in college football. Cadillac Williams fits into the mold on that. They're 2-0 they're and o against the spread since he's taken over the Auburn job. They won outright against Texas A&M last week. But also consider, in almost every situation where interim coaches have had their moment, their moment has not lasted. They early, early bounce, early momentum, by that third game, it almost completely disappears. Almost like the old Cinderella thing of kind of turning into a pumpkin. That's almost exactly what all of this has had happen. And I think for Auburn against Western Kentucky on Saturday, you better be very, very careful. In fact, I like the Hilltoppers plus five and a half here. That's not the only SEC team that I think can be very, very dangerous in a tricky spot as it kind of hosts one of these kind of cupcake-type teams ahead of rivalry weekend next weekend. Auburn may be the, the most interesting name there on that list but by far the only one it will make that cruise and run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By the way, speaking of point spreads and picks on games, if you want to get your own picks down on some big games of the weekend, our friends at MyBookie can certainly give you an opportunity to do that. It's winning season at MyBookie. So what that means is just simply find MyBookie online, just type it into your browser, use the promo code DOGNATION, and you can get a big deposit bonus. That means you put in $400, they're going to double that for you. They're going to put in $400 there yourself, so you got $800 in your account right away. They'll do this for you up to $1,000. Then after that, you win, you play, you get paid. It's Simple as that with my bookie, whether it be, you know, college action throughout the week, uh, NFL stuff coming up on Sundays, obviously the full slate of college football tomorrow, a lot of chances for you to get down some big bets and have a good time doing so. Our friends at my bookie allow you to do that. 
but you got to use the promo code Dog Nation to take advantage of all of that. Of course, the weekend around here means that we're excited about being on the weekend. Not quite as warm as we typically like weekends to be, uh, but nonetheless, we're excited about it, uh, and we like to celebrate that what we call our big finish, presented by the Finish Long Drink here. And so many of you have enjoyed the uh, Finish Long Drink throughout the years here, and every now and then we like to give kind of a little bit of a blast from the past, a little bit of a throwback to folks maybe trying the Finish Long Drink for the first time and realizing how fun and enjoyable that can be. So let's uh, shout out our big finish here for a moment. Cliff Cawley sent this to us uh, back in the summertime, but I tried this for the first time, and long drink is delicious. Cliff, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad that you and so many folks here connected to Dog Nation have given the finished long drink a try. And if you haven't done it yet, but you want to, you can find it online, thelongdrink.com, and you can hear about the entire product line there. Cliff tries the cranberry. But in addition to that, there's the Long Drink Strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar, the traditional in the blue can that has the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. You can get all of that online, uh, thelongdrink.com, for a lot more on that. So with that said, we'll get ready to wrap things up and get ready to take things towards Lexington, Kentucky on Saturday. And we'll do so in style here with a great number of golden shoes. Our golden shoes for this particular day and i would say for all the days in the foreseeable future all built around the theme of hashtag go for two in 22 and i'm just simply kind of going through twitter and kind of looking at all the folks using the hashtag and trying to give a few shout outs here on that so that's kind of our theme here for our golden shoe ride now including our first one seth Rhodes says uh this is how uh florida and tennessee kirby compared to how kirby really is is obviously the funny video game character and he gets the hashtag go for two and 22 and yeah that scary looking face you better believe the florida gators and the tennessee vol see kirby that way so good stuff by seth Rhodes and uh good use of the hashtag go for two and 22 jay napolitano also says if the buckies in birmingham is any indication we may have a georgia takeover in starkville he said this last week that pretty much turned out to be true, and he also used the hashtag go for 2 and 22 Appreciate that, Jay. A couple more to give you here there as well. He also kind of shows you the scene there on hand with the uh, go for 2 and 22 and dogs traveling indeed, and we saw plenty of that. And then Colorado Dog says, can't wait to add another tombstone here on Sunday, looking at all those opponents that George has beaten and also giving the hashtag go for 2 and 22 So that's what I'm going to be doing here. I'm just going to kind of be going through Twitter and looking for the folks using that hashtag and continuing to give those shots out as part of our golden shoe here right now. And that is all great to see. And by the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, who somebody mentioned before, back in Jacksonville, 344 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see all of you on Monday. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you next week right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.